Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We are going to take a look today at lesson number four as we look at the subject in the crucible with Christ. Why do Christians go through challenging times? With us once again this week is the author of this quarter's adult Bible study guide, and that is Gavin Anthony. Gavin, welcome back. Thank you very much. We're delighted to have you joining us all the way from Iceland, where you serve as the president of the Iceland Conference. I imagine that keeps you fairly busy. Uh, very busy. But it probably also gives you some material for the, what you've been studying, and that is going through challenging times. And we've really appreciated the first three weeks, the three lessons that we've looked at so far. And right now we are in week number four, seeing the goldsmith's face. Now, last week's lesson was about the birdcage, and there was a story that kind of encapsulated that uh, idea. It's very similar this week, seeing the goldsmith's face. Where does that come from? Right, yes, there's a very famous um, story of Amy Carmichael. Um, she was a missionary to India, and she tells the story of watching a goldsmith at work. And uh, she goes and he's, he's got the gold, and of course the gold has got all sorts of impurities in it. And, and the goldsmith, he, he mixes brick dust and tamarind uh, fruit and some salt, and embeds it into this, uh, into the gold with the impurities, and then plunges it into the fire. And she took some children to watch what he was doing. And of course, he puts it into the fire. Um, the fire does what fire does and begins to burn out the impurities. He brings it, the mixture out, looks at it, if he's not happy, he puts some more tamarind fruit and brick dust and salt and puts it back in. And then one of them asked, how do you know when the gold is pure? And he says, when I can see my face in it. And here you've got this idea now from our perspective of the master goldsmith, gold. How does he know when we have had enough time in, in the difficulties and it all goes back to this idea of character and the reality that God is at work in us to mature us to look like him. Speaking of, of character, there's a, an interesting quote uh, about character that's in this week's lesson. It's from the, the book Sons and Daughters of God on page 100. I'll, I'll read that quote, and if, if you wouldn't mind just making some, some comments on it and, and the significance of this quote to, to you. The author writes, a harsh-spirited man is unrefined, coarse. He is not spiritual. He has not a heart of flesh, but a heart as unimpressible as a stone. His only help is to fall on the rock and be broken. The Lord will place all such in the crucible and try them in fire as gold is tried. When he can see his own image reflected in them, he will remove them. What do you see there? <laughs> well, of course, it starts off with a harsh-spirited man is unrefined and coarse. And so we begin to wonder, who is this un, un, harsh-spirited, unrefined, coarse person? Certainly it's someone other than me. Absolutely. And I can think of a whole list of people that I automatically begin to think about. But this is talking about every one of us. And this is a sobering reality. And, and I think some of the opportunities or the reasons we go through suffering 
is first of all for God to be able to bring us to our own realization that I am this person and I actually don't look anything like Jesus. But I am naturally stubborn. And then God teaches me something and I forget everything he's taught me next week. And we go back and we have to kind of learn it. And, and sometimes I kind of say to myself, God, you know, how long does this need to go on for? You know, am I really that bad? And the reality is, is often, yes, <laughs> I am. We like to think we're, we're great, that we're wonderful people and, and, and just beautiful Christians. And we don't realize how deep-rooted the sin is within us. And so sometimes the, the temperature in the fire needs to become very hot that I may come to that realization that I don't look like anything like Jesus, and, but I need to. That's how I was designed and created to be. So, so here the goldsmith mixes things into the gold that is impure. And ultimately, after several attempts, several tries, this gold comes out pure. You've mentioned uh, in, in previous weeks that we've been studying four different reasons or four different ways that, that Christians go through suffering. Could you recap those for us just in, because maybe our minds are not perfect at recalling these things? Yes, absolutely. And I, I have to do this for my own benefit as well. Okay, this is how, this is my observations. We've got Satan is at work. You can see what he's doing on TV, in your newspaper, in your web browser. Um, Satan is at work. I look at it and it's horrible. And I feel pain. I mean, when we have seen the, the crisis in Ukraine, I mean, I go to bed at night and I'm thinking about it. It brings tears, literal tears to my eyes. Uh, just a few days ago, I was talking to some people who had just been in Ukraine, or w Ukrainians working there. Uh, the terrible suffering that they and their families are going, um, that are going through, I'm not responsible for that. God is, but I experience pain. Um, secondly, I sin. I do things that I shouldn't do, and I reap the results of that. Thirdly, God wants to refine me. There are impurities. There are some really obvious problems that God needs to get to grips with in my life. And he is going to get to work bringing me into situations for me to realize that and begin to do something about it. And then this fourth one is where John 15, the idea of a gardener, the gardener comes along. He wants to make you more fruitful in what you're doing for him. He has a knife and he begins to prune you for greater fruitfulness. So those four um, ideas of why suffering might happen are just a sort of a helpful framework to think about, okay, stuff's going on in my life. Um, I wonder what God is doing. doesn't mean I always know, but it's a framework to begin to think about it. So somewhere in this process, when we're going through these things, whether it's number one, two, three, or four, the the discomfort that we're experiencing. God is working on our character, though. He's, he's molding, he's shaping our character. In other words, he has a purpose for allowing these things, permitting these things, in some cases bringing these things on us that we may not understand. What, what role does trust play in all this? And any words of wisdom on how we can learn to trust God a little bit more? Well, we're going to spend 
at least one whole week just looking at that issue, uh, and maybe two or three, because when you begin to drill down into what God is, God is doing, God is always looking to mature faith. And maybe what I could just say for the moment, why is faith so critical? Faith is the component that is essential for any type of transformation. So we are beginning to look this week about Christian character, looking like Jesus. How does someone like me begin to become like Jesus? Jesus could get a magic wand or something or fairy dust and sprinkle it upon me and instantly I'm just looking like him. But no, he wants me to trust him. And so as the trust begins to grow and I become dependent on him, then he's able to do something in my life. But if I don't trust him and if I have my back, my face turned away from him and there's no relationship, I am going to be, well, his, his ability to work within me is, is well, it becomes impossible. It, it's interesting. A couple of um, Bible texts here. Um, Zechariah 13.9, I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. Proverbs 17.3, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And again, he's testing for what? He's testing for faith because faith is essential to be in a relationship where God can begin to do his transformative work in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. If I just go on to this uh, text in 2 Corinthians 3.18, one of my favorite verses, because it begins to lay out what God is looking for. Paul says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Paul is saying, as we begin to develop this relationship with Jesus, we learn to gaze upon him. We are now becoming transformed into that image. And faith is what I bring to the table. That's faith which connects me with Jesus so that the work of the Spirit can then enter into my life and accomplish exactly what Paul is talking about here. So there's a transformation of character, a, a working out of the impurities in our lives. It's often been said that if you want to know what someone's true character is, get them in a high-pressure situation. You'll, you'll start to see what's deep down come bubbling up to the surface. So what is character? There's a couple of different uh, definitions of character that you've given uh, here in the lesson. What are some of those definitions of character? Yes, well, I've looked at lots of different definitions over the years. One of the most famous ones um, in Christian terms, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, um, character is what you are in the dark, right? When no one is looking, what are you really like? The one that just really strikes deep into my heart with a little bit of fear, I have to say, because this is startling. It's, it's a, a quote from Ellen White, a very short phrase where she talks about moral character being the thoughts and feelings combined. So character is thoughts plus feelings. Now, 
you know, I can dress up in a suit and I can look very presentable. I can stand and speak and preach and, and teach or whatever. I, I can look good, good on the outside. But what this says is it's about your thoughts and feelings, both together. And the problem is that, well, it's just a good job that you don't know what I'm thinking or I'm feeling because what goes on inside of me is not pretty. But again, you don't know that. I know sometimes I'm aware of who I am, but God knows exactly what my thoughts and feelings are. And he wants those thoughts and feelings to look like his thoughts and feelings. And so again, we go through these, God leads us to situations to begin to purify, mature my thoughts, your thoughts and feelings, so that increasingly they can become more and more like Jesus. And that's a little bit, uh, a little bit frightening if you stop and think about it, because you may know a little bit about who you are on the inside, but God knows even better than you do. We're going to continue looking at how the goldsmith works with us when we come back in a moment. But before we go to break, I want to remind you, if you have not picked up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath school lesson, it is called The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony. He, of course, is our guest today. And this is a deeper delving into the subject of being in the crucible with Christ. It's called The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony. And you can pick that up at our shop. That is itiswritten.shop. You'll find it there and it will be a blessing to you. We're going to be back in just a moment as we continue our study of week number four, looking at being in the crucible with Christ, seeing the goldsmith's face. We'll be right back. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We are continuing week number four in our study of being in the crucible with Christ and back again with Gavin Anthony. Gavin, let's go through some Bible verses now. We've talked about what the refiner's fire is about. Uh, we've got some insights into that, but there are a lot of Bible verses that, that bring this idea out. I'm thinking of one here, Romans 8, 29. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Why is that verse significant? I, I love this verse. And it's kind of interesting because this verse comes after verse 28, all things work together for good verse. And we're all familiar with that, but we often stop in 28. We should keep going into 29. And, and here we have... You know, we've been talking a little bit about purpose. What is God out to accomplish? And this is one of the verses which I think is incredibly helpful. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So right at the beginning, from the foundation of the world, God decided that you and I 
and the viewers at home will look like Jesus. And that is his fundamental, I don't know, raison d'etre. That's what he's out to accomplish. And I think it's really helpful, I find it helpful at least, to think, you know, what is God, where's he going? Um, what is he wanting to accomplish in the world, in our lives? Paul tells us here very clearly, he wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, what is the image? Well, the image is everything we are in one sense, but I think primarily it comes down to this issue of character, moral character. We might not exactly look like God physically, although roughly, yes, but sin has done an awful lot to corrupt our bodies and, and bring things that we can't necessarily reverse. But when it comes to the image of God in terms of character, that is something that the Holy Spirit can do amazing things in our lives, no matter how deep or far away from God we have gone, no matter how corrupted or carnal or sinful, whatever we have done, the Holy Spirit can come in and make you to look like Jesus again. And that's what God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is after. That may seem far-fetched to some. I mean, we may, as, as you mentioned before, put on the jacket and comb our hair and and button up our, our shirts and look the part. But we know deep down inside, we're dealing with some issues. And some people, really big ones. And the, the idea that their character could mirror Christ's character seems very far-fetched. And yet it's possible. Yes, and I, I think often as Christians, we may think about what is the goal of the Christian life? The goal is to get to heaven. I, I don't think it is. It is a consequence of a relationship with Jesus, but it's the, the work of salvation, what, what God is doing. It's not just to get us to a place, but it's to change us into a different condition. And, and often I think about us when we're thinking about salvation and, and what God is doing, it's like, okay, um, I believe in Jesus, so I get this golden ticket and I'm standing at the bus stop waiting for the bus to come and take me to heaven. And we're all just kind of waiting there for, for God to finish what he's doing. Well, no, um, that's not fundamentally what God is doing. Yes, it's, it's a critical component of it. But what God is wanting to do now, in this moment, in every moment that I'm alive on this earth, is to increasingly, or take me on a journey where I'm increasingly reflecting his son, who he is. I, and I agree, sometimes we kind of think about that idea. I mean, surely that cannot be possible. I mean, really knowing who I am and what I have done, are you telling me that I could actually look like Jesus? And Paul says, yes, that is what, what Jesus, what the Father wanted to do from the very beginning of the earth. And, and so there's an awful lot of optimism and hopefulness about that reality. And a beautiful picture of what is possible with God. I, I can do all things through Christ who, strength, who strengthens me. With God, all things are possible. Sometimes we just rattle these off. They, they come naturally off our tongue. But then we stop and think about it and go, that's, that's big. That's huge. And, and for some of us, He's got a little further, a little longer runway than others, maybe. 
But, uh, but in truth, none of us are going to succeed in, in and of our own strength under our own steam. It's not going to happen. Uh, most of us have probably at one point or another tried to, tried to be good and kind of fallen on our faces and gone, well, that didn't work real well uh, because we're up against a, an adversary who's stronger than we are. But if we unite with Christ and invite him to come in, then all of a sudden the impossible becomes possible and inevitable. Yes, and, and that then brings us back to the uh, subject of suffering. Um, why does God allow these, these, these things to come in? It's to get us to that point of relationship where we connect to him. Because if I'm disconnected, there's no way for God to do his work in me. So that connection is, is vital, which is one of the reasons why we're studying the Bible together, why we're going through this, uh, this quarter's lesson is to get a better understanding of the Bible, of God's character, of our character, seeing how very different they are and yet how God desires to bring them to, together. And ultimately, he's going to be glorified in this. Uh, absolutely. So we have this verse in, in Romans where, where this is the Father's purpose for you. Uh, if we go on to Galatians 4.19, here we've got Paul now speaking for himself. And he has this, and this is, uh, I, I love this verse. He says, my dear children, for who I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, I'm not sure what Paul knew about childbirth. <laughs> I have wondered a little bit about that. Um, but I think probably what he's taking is, is a, a pain that humans experience that is extreme. And so Paul is saying, okay, the Father's purpose is for you to be like Jesus. Um, I, as a co-laborer with Christ, I also, I will go through whatever it takes, the pain, it doesn't matter, because I also want you to reflect Christ, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So we have this, this marvelous picture of, of the Father, of heaven, at work that you become like Jesus. And here you've got the Christian pastor, the Christian worker, the Christian at work, that the people that they have around them, their families, their neighbors, whoever, that they're willing to go through whatever it takes until Christ is formed in them. And so this is a great calling to Christian mission and discipleship. An incredible calling. You know, when we talk about people who've, who've gone through the refining fire, probably one of them that we are most familiar with in the Bible is a fellow by the name of Job. He went through the ringer several times and yet came through shining on the other side. What can we learn from Job's story? Well, we're going to, we're going to look at Job in more detail in the following weeks. Uh, but there is this one verse which fits very much into what we're talking about this week. This is in Job 23, verse 10. He says, But he, God, knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. So Job is in the middle of what he identifies as a test. I don't know how he came to that conclusion, but he came to the conclusion. I mean, we know he's been stripped of everything, but he knows somehow there is some sort of divine purpose in it. Whatever the purpose is from Job's point of view, he says at the end of it, the other side of it, and what's coming next, I don't know. But at the other side, he says, I 
will come forth as gold. And I would love to know maybe what Paul, what uh, Job thought gold was, but if it's aligning with what we see everywhere else, you know, we're going back to the same thing, uh, being an upright man who is a, a true representative of God on the earth. And he is determined when it's all over, I'm going to hang in there, but when it's over, I'm going to reflect the, the God that I serve. And he did a phenomenal job. I, I say he. He allowed God to work through him, and God was glorified in Job's life, and we have that story to, to remind us of that today. I think of a few other passages in the Bible also in the New Testament in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. In verses 1 through 12, there's a story told of the, the parable of the ten virgins. Give us a little synopsis of that, if you would. Matthew 24 are the signs of the return of Jesus. Jesus is giving this explanation to his disciples, you know, what is a sign of your coming? Matthew 24 is, here are the signs. Matthew 25, you've got three parables. Um, as you're waiting for me to come, this is how I want you to live. And what's kind of interesting in this, in the, in the first 10 verses, is that you've got this story of the 10 virgins. You've got these 10 young women who are waiting for the bridegroom to come. He's not coming. They all fall asleep. I mean, they all fall asleep. But when they wake up again, half of them realize they don't have oil. And they, the ones who don't have the oil try to beg from the others, can I have some oil? We need this. And they say, sorry. And they are shut out of the bridegroom's house. And of course, this is a, a picture of the return of Jesus. What's interesting when we look at the Bible and we look at this symbol of oil, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit all the way through. And what we seem to be ha have happening here is that in the same way that oil gave evidence of light, so the oil of the Holy Spirit gives a revelation of character. We're back to the image of God, the character of God. So suddenly at the end of time, Jesus is about to come, half of the people, when they, when they have woken up, realize they don't have the Holy Spirit. And well, half of them realize that there isn't even time to get it. And in the same way, we can't leave character maturity to when Jesus is about to show up. Um, it's too late. So Jesus is saying, pay attention now, covet the Holy Spirit, plead for the Holy Spirit that the Father is willing to give you. And through that, you will be my representatives on the earth. You know, Gavin, there may be some folks who are going through the refiner's fire right now, who are going through this crucible. I wonder if you wouldn't mind having a prayer that God will help really all of us to make it through to when Jesus comes back. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we long to reflect your character in the uttermost parts of our being. And my prayer is that our lives, my life, the people who are watching and listening, that their lives will be a testimony to the universe of who you are. Help us to have courage in this process, knowing that the only thing that really counts is that you are being revealed through us and you will be glorified. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today on Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We will look forward to seeing you again next time. God bless you. See you then.